have shaped our church and ought to shape our church moving forward and kind of, in a sense, breaking down what does it mean to be like Nelson Evangelical Covenant Church? Like, what do those things mean? And when you put it all together, what are its implications? What makes us distinct and different? And this morning's really exciting because at the end, you're going to have an opportunity this week to very tangibly um, shape not just our priorities moving forward and give voice to that, but also to maybe uh, come up with a way of framing it or talking about it or um, certain words that are going to be important to us moving forward. So we've looked at two big movements within the history of Christianity that have impacted our church. The first is the Protestant Reformation, the five uh, solas, the five alones, the five statements that come out of the Reformation that affirm that it's in certain things alone in which we uh, trust Christ for our salvation. We looked at how the Reformation then morphed into sort of pietism, which was this movement that said Christianity isn't just about memorizing Bible verses and doctrines and right answers and performing rituals. It's about a lived relationship with God at its heart. And they were trying to get people back into Scripture through things like conventicles, which was their weird word for small group, small group Bible studies. To that point, that had never been done in the way that most of us structure them before. Then the covenant continues to grow and change and get more focused, and they come up with affirmations that are, these are the things that are important to us. And then last week, we talked about some of the distinctives that would make an evangelical covenant church different from other evangelical churches. So those are good to catch up on if you're um, new to our church and think you're going to be sticking around. Today I want to drill down a little bit more into the Nelson part of Nelson Evangelical Covenant Church. What is ours to do? What makes this site unique? Right? Every organization, every group has core beliefs and values, maybe a vision statement or a mission statement for how they want them to play out. So for example, the, the covenant, the evangelical covenant has a mission statement as a denominational organization. Its mission is deeper in Christ, further in mission, together. That's their elevator pitch. What's the covenant all about? Deeper in Christ, further in mission, together. We want to have people who are deepening their walk with Christ, living that out into the world, and doing it in the context of friendship and camaraderie. We're doing it together. We don't believe the church is essentially a solo project. It's a family moving forward together. And then what the Evangelical Covenant Church has that I really like are these things called mission priorities. And the reason why I like these is because in identifying mission priorities, the covenant is not saying we value these things. They do, obviously, or they wouldn't be mission priorities. But by using the language of priority, what the covenant is saying is this is what we are going to invest a disproportionate amount of time, energy, and money in. And those five things are, first, start and strengthen churches. The Evangelical Covenant Church says we are going to make it a priority to start healthy churches and to strengthen healthy missional churches. And they would use Paul's example in the New Testament where as an apostle, Paul goes around planting churches, but he doesn't just establish a church in an area and then say, awesome, good luck, all your papers are in order, I've dropped off a few of the letters, see ya. In Acts 15.41, it says that he, Paul, went through Syria and 
Cilicia strengthening the churches. So it's about starting churches, but also strengthening them, strengthening them. That's mission priority number one. The second is to make and, deep, deep, make and deepen disciples. The covenant is committed to reaching people with new life in Christ and then to help them grow deeper in Jesus. And that's a lifelong journey of faith. So when the covenant hears Jesus' command in Matthew 28 to go and make disciples of all nations, what they, what they want to make sure no one in a covenant church hears is go and simply make converts. Go and like talk to people about Jesus and if they start showing up to church, that's awesome. Like we've kind of won and now we move on to something else. We want to be, be, be about whole life discipleship. A disciple is someone who like a student learning under a mentor is trying to become what the mentor is. So the covenant says one of our priorities is to resource individuals and churches so that people can not just become a Christian but can grow into Christ-likeness in more expansive and deeper ways until the end of their journey here. Number three, they want to develop leaders. The covenant is committed to their clergy. That's me, I'm part of the like, professional um, servers within the covenant. And they invest in their clergy's ongoing personal and professional growth, but they also look for opportunities to expand leadership development and training for the laity, which means it's a different way of saying regular uh, Christians, non-professional, not paid. So the covenant says we are all priests who are called to be a bridge between God's grace to the world and to bring the hurts and laments of the world back to God. Some of us are paid a salary to do that for, for a greater percentage of our uh, work week, but we're all called to do that. So we all need to be developing. What does it look like to lead in the different spheres that we're called to, whether that's Sunday school or as an accountant, and everything in between. And I want to say there, that is, uh, that is one value that I have really benefited from personally. I've been very shocked, probably, and I think, um, uh, yeah, both Heather and I have at different times to see how much the covenant has poured into me. I remember in my first year here, it, this is stuff that maybe you guys wouldn't, uh, seek. It's a little bit more behind the scenes, but I said, I feel like I've gotten more support. More people have reached out to me. More people have expressed encouragement and helped me with things in my first year in this role than I had in a previous decade of my previous denomination. And again, I'm, I don't want to speak ill of my previous denomination. They were doing the best that they could. But the covenant really, really pours into their leaders. And I've been on the receiving end of a lot of encouraging support and investment. Love mercy, do justice is the fourth. The covenant church is committed to pursuing compassion and justice through our world. So from the very start, the covenant has had this idea that it's not just about proclaiming the gospel, but it's about being like a good Samaritan who sees issues of injustice or of violence or uh, destruction and stepping into places to help people who are hurting. That's the love mercy part. And then to address the causes of those hurt. That's the justice part. And so the Covenant Church has said, we want to make sure that we are giving tangible expression to our commitment to Jesus in a way that the world, wherever there's a Covenant Church and Covenant people are planted, that that is felt in a tremendously positive way. And so when we do something as a church, like raise over $10,000 to give to offset 
uh, school startup fees for families within our community. That's something that the Covenant Church as a denomination would massively celebrate because there's a world of difference between telling someone God loves them and then saying that and then sacrificially demonstrating that love, being a conduit of a good and perfect gift. And lastly, serve globally. The Covenant Church is committed to a global gospel, and that means expanding, extending the whole gospel to the whole world. Through global partnerships and their own missionary team, of whom Colleen Nanachuk is one of the missionary, they, they, they see themselves as having like one missionary team that gets sent to different parts of the world. All their missionaries use these mission priorities as the lens through which to evaluate and to move forward into their mission. So for each of their missionaries, their priorities are these priorities. Acts 1.8, after his resurrection, before his ascension, Jesus says, you're gonna receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you're gonna be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and then to the ends of the earth. And that's a concentric circle. They're in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria are provincial territories uh, uh, near Jerusalem and then the ends of the earth. So Jesus says, I have a global agenda. My kingdom is going to go out. It's not meant to be localized. It's not just for this particular ethnic group or this particular geographic enclave. It's for the world. And the covenant says, we want to bring that whole gospel of the incarnation, death, and resurrection of Jesus and its implications for our lives, that gospel to the whole world. Now, again, the reason why I like this idea in the covenant that they identify mission priorities is because I think it's important to distinguish, for a church to distinguish between values and priorities. And probably even important for you to, to distinguish that in your own life. Sometimes those kind of get Play-Doh squeezed together, two different Play-Doh colors. You know, it doesn't matter what colors you squeeze together, it always ends up being like gray and brown and gross. But there's an important distinction to be made between values and priorities. Because when you're saying that something is a priority, you're saying something slightly more intense than a value, right? A value doesn't necessarily have to be prioritized. And you can still hold it. And a value that isn't really prioritized is like an aspiration. It's like, yeah, for sure, like on paper, all things being equal, I value this. But that doesn't necessarily mean I'm prioritizing it in my life. But a priority, by its definition, is a value that you actually give a disproportionate amount of time, energy, and money towards, to reinforce, to express. So here are some examples. They, they don't resonate for me personally, but maybe they will for you. Maybe you, not me, obviously, would say that they value health and fitness, but they might not prioritize it. I say that in jest because for much of my life, I would have said, oh, health and fitness, for sure a priority, absolutely. But I, what I was really saying was, this is a value of mine and there's no prioritization in my life towards it. And it's been very difficult as I've been forced to confront that what I value, I'm not prioritizing. But in order to prioritize it means a certain output of time and energy and money. That's tough. A lot of people in this room would say, I value health and uh, being healthy. 
or being strong or be, being fit. But a much smaller percentage of people would actually prioritize it, right? That's the distinction between values and priorities. Many people would say, many Christians would say, I absolutely value a personal relationship with Christ. But far few, fewer people are going to prioritize habits and disciplines that are going to develop and sustain that kind of life with God. It's not that they don't value it. It's just that they either, they're in a place where they feel like they can't or they won't prioritize it. Right? Many churches would say they value community. One of the things that if you ever survey churches, one of the things that comes up all the time from people is people want their church to value community and they would say, I value community. And they also say, our church needs to get better at community or connection. It's a highly esteemed and held value for many, many churches. But that doesn't mean that the people in those churches are going to make the requisite um, payment of time and energy and money to build a connectional culture, right? I value community, but will I come on Sunday morning with an intentional view to connect with three or four people and just say, hi, how's it going? Will I stay for 10 or 15 minutes after the service? Will I connect in a small group or will I re go through the uh, directory and be praying for people consistently and every once in a while, throwing out an invitation to lunch or hey, we're going on this hike or we're doing this thing. A lot of us would say we value that, but then there's a gap between what we value and what we actually prioritize. Because to prioritize something means to stretch beyond just what you're comfortable with. And on lots of church sites, and I looked at quite a few this week, almost every church has a mission statement and a value statement. This is what we're about. This is what we value. Hardly any have priority statements or of our values. This is how it gets expressed in terms of this is what we're investing in or mission priorities. How you, however you frame it, almost none of them had it. I found two, I think there was one covenant church in Canada out of 30 churches that had it. And I don't know how many of the states, and then I just did a random sample from a, a bunch of other ones that it was almost non-existent. But identifying not just your values, but your priorities is really important because what's true for you at the individual level or at the family level is true for the church. You can't do everything. And while you might value 15, 20, 30 things that you would identify and say, yes, this is a value to me, you are not going to be able to make the necessary investments to do all of those things well. And one of the problems that a lot of churches get into, and it's well-intended, is to say, this is what we value as a church. We value all these things. We see all the good things that we could be doing. They're all valuable to God. So we're going to go in a hundred different directions. And you end up doing a whole bunch of things very, very poorly. It's like a shotgun approach. And I want us to be a church that is much more focused like a laser that says, there are many awesome things we could be doing. But I think it's, 
it's well-intended intended foolishness to try and do everything. Let's just do a few things and do them really, really well. We're not a big church. We have limited resources. Let's give $100 in four directions, not $1 in 100 because the scale of impact is going to be disproportionate between those two scenarios. And so most groups either try and do a lot of things and spread themselves too thin, or they do a few things and do them well, and that's what I want us to do. And when you understand what your priorities are, not just your values, but your priorities, it really, really helps you. Because it helps you to understand what you're supposed to be saying yes to, and therefore, what you can in good conscience say, that's awesome, but that's not for right now. See, part of the tension that, you, that I have wrestled with, I'm sure many of you are wrestling with it right now in your own life, is to say, I feel like my life is fuller and fuller, and there's sort of this uh, good lifestyle bloat where every year things just seem to get busier and busier and more and more and it's hard to know what to cut. I don't know what to say no to because I value all these things. But there's a discipline to be able to say, this is not sustainable. And if I want my life to really count for God's glory, maybe I'm in a season where something good is for someone else to do so that I can focus on these three things, these eight things, right? We all have different capacities. But none of us have the capacity for an ever-expanding ever expanding opportunities at the individual level and as a church. So what I want to do is I'm going to share very quickly our mission as a church, our model, the values and priorities, because we've kind of squ squished those two together as a church, the values and priorities that have brought us to this point, some of those priorities that we've committed to, whether or not we've always called them, mission priorities. And then I'm going to send out a survey this week, and I want everybody junior high age and up to fill out the survey. It takes four minutes to fill out the survey. I have a link in it in, the, in your doobly-doo, the bulletin. Thank you. And uh, I'll also send it out via email. Because this survey is really going to help me and our SLT hone down on what is God calling us to do. And part of answering that question, it's not all of it, but part of it is getting a sense of your church community in terms of what do you guys value? What do you think we should be valuing? What do you think we should be prioritizing and why? And that will help us set our missional priorities for the next three to five years. So our mission as a church is not that. I've, uh, that is not correct. It's loving Jesus, loving people, transforming lives. So that love Jesus, love people, not technically true. It's loving Jesus, loving people, transforming lives. That's our mission. Our model is to be one church with three sites. So for those of you who are new to our church or maybe are unfamiliar with our structure, this Nelson site is not a independent congregation. This is part of a larger congregation that is composed of members of the Balfour Covenant Church and the Junction Covenant Church. And the vision when the Balfour Church and then the Junction Church were planted over the last two decades was to keep us connected, but to move in a contextual direction. So we want to be connected, but contextual, meaning we think that there's a lot of advantages to staying connected and leveraging certain um, aspects of not, uh, 
doing certain things in triplicate, but working together as a close-knit um, kind of siblings of, of covenant churches. But we also recognize the need to be contextual, meaning because Belfort as a site might say, hey, this is really important to us and there's an opportunity out here in Belfort to do this and we're going to launch this ministry. Well, Nelson isn't beholden to start that ministry here in Nelson because the context is different. So there's been this desire to leverage all the gains that come from being united with the freedom to pursue ministry at your site level in a way that is congruous with what God's calling you to do and the people that you have and what are front burner issues for your community. And our values and priorities, which we don't really, we don't really talk about a lot, the last, there's been a few vision documents that have circulated through our church over the last few years, uh, sorry, the last few, uh, few decades, but the last one was in 2014. I don't know how many people here were involved in that and to what extent you were involved, but it was used as a template through which to select the next senior pastor, which eventually was me. So that was the um, values slash priorities that the church said, this is what we want to be focused on. And those were local and global missions, being a, a more effective witness to a post-Christian context here in Nelson, and then to be supporting global missions, to be developing lay leaders within this community, to be building church community, to be um, centered on biblical preaching and teaching, and to develop a culture of small groups. So you can see there's some of those maybe are more values. Some of them are also sort of like values that are very clearly um, built into certain priorities. But this, when the search team was talking to me about coming here, this is what they were saying was the last time at least a critical mass of people in the church came together and said, what do we want to be about? Drilling down a little bit more to the level of what do we want to be prioritizing? Because we can't do everything, so what are we going to prioritize? And that was in 2014. So this is five years later. And this might not change. In wording, uh, any of it. There's nothing wrong with this. This is really exciting. It's part of how you hooked me to come here. There's a lot that I resonated with this. But I think it's important at least every five years to just pass this through. The leadership of our church, our congregation, our own hearts, me as a past pastoral leader to pray about these things. And there's a few reasons for that. Number one, because of congregational turnover. There's a lot of people here in 2019 that weren't here in 2014 and don't have ownership of these. Even if you are like, I agree with that, you don't necessarily feel like you were a stakeholder in it because you had no feedback to put into it. And so gone are the days where when a church did a vision statement, 25 years later, 95% of the church is the same. So they all kind of remember that. You have, to re, you have to revisit it more consistently. And also contextual changes. Maybe there is a value or a priority that made a lot of sense to foreground in 2000 here in the Kootenays. But now, on the precipice of 2020, it's not that that's not important anymore, but maybe it's not a priority because this has to take, uh, th this has to be given new attention. So the changes in the context of where we're living, what's going on, the needs, the opportunities, and that comes out of new people that come with new ideas. It's important for us to get clarity on what our current values are and to have some 
discussion around what should we be prioritizing. And from a leadership standpoint, in terms of myself and the site leadership team, it's really helpful when it comes to making decisions because we can't do everything. So whether it's, here's an opportunity that has come in front of us, should we get behind it as a church? That's a much easier discussion if you know what your priorities are as a church rather than just your values. What do you value? Uh, Jesus and the Bible and helping people. Well, everything that comes in front of you is gonna be hard to say we shouldn't do this or that's for someone else to do. But if you have priorities, does this fit our values? Yes, great. Does it fit our priorities? No, okay, then we encourage, we can still promote, we can do different things, but we're not gonna get behind it. And also when it comes to budgeting, if we know as a church what we're prioritizing, it becomes much easier to have a streamlined, focused budget and to make sure that there's accountability within that budget to are we investing in the things that we say we're trying to prioritize? Because if you just value things, you can get budget bloat where it becomes difficult for anybody to say, why are we spending so much money here? Because you feel like the bad guy, because you're like, well, I guess we're doing it because in some ways it helps people or whatever, but it doesn't seem strategic. But it's easier when you have priorities to say, if this is a priority, I'm not sure why we're spending so much time and energy and money over here. Wouldn't that be better served here? And when you talk about your values and your priorities as a church, part of what you're talking about is how those come together to shape a culture because every church has a kind of culture. And when you talk about values and what we're prioritizing, you're asking the question, what kind of culture do we want to create, right? We should be doing that within our marriage. We should be doing that within our families. What are our values? What are we gonna be prioritizing? Why? What kind of culture do we wanna create? Because you could have church A, church B have exactly the same values, maybe even exactly the same priorities. Um, so let's use an example, welcoming. Both churches value being a welcoming church. Both churches wanna prioritize being a welcoming church. Church A says, we, are, we know we're a welcoming church because the pastor, when he gets up on Sunday, he always does a 30-second little spiel that says, we're really glad you're here, welcome. We invite you to stay for cookies and coffee after the service. And Church A says, awesome, we're rocking it. Church B has the exact same value. We wanna be welcoming, we wanna prioritize it, but in thinking through why they wanna prioritize it, they're like, we wanna have a culture where people, we wanna remove as many barriers as possible for people to feel like they're part of our family and that they're, people are excited. And we wanna create a culture where people who are long-standing members of our church aren't just turning to the people that are familiar to them, but are also turning to people who are new and taking that risk and inviting out to coffee. And that's the kind of culture we wanna create, and not just on Sunday morning, but in small groups or as we pass people on Baker Street. So same values and priorities, but it also gets at the kind of culture that you wanna build. And that's a big, that's an important thing for me because I like the covenants thing of, it's not just about going deeper in Christ and further in mission. Like that word together for them is about camaraderie, it's about joy, it's about serving God is awesome, it should be about spiritual friendships. It's not just about this, oh, we gotta grin and bear it, we're serving God. It's like, yeah, we're going deeper in Christ, yes, we're going f further in mission, but we're also doing it together. Before the covenant was the covenant, they were called mission friends. They believed that serving God and going into his mission together was a cause for celebration and joy. So when they got together for a conventicle or for Sunday morning worship eventually, 
there was an excitement. There was anticipation to see each other. And see, even if it was just a brief moment to say, hi, glad you're here, good to see you, and then to follow up after. So this is what's going to happen. You have the survey link in your bulletin. I'm going to send it out on Tuesday. I want every individual, junior high age and up, I don't want it to be a household survey, each individual, junior high age and up, to fill it out. It takes about four minutes. And it's just going to be asking for your feedback on our mission statement. Do you think that captures who we are? How would you phrase it? Um, what do you think should be our mission priorities? If you could only pick four, what would they be? What are our values? I have a whole, I think I've got like 30 or 35 values there, including a spot where you can say, you know, I have an other value. But you can only pick like five, I think. Like what are your top, like what do you really think between all these really good things we should be focused on? And myself and the SRT, SLT are going to take that information and use it as part of our process to say, do there need to be any tweaks to either our mission, our vision, how we see that playing out? Maybe there won't be, but I think it's exciting to invite everybody in this church into that process because it forces all of us to say, yeah, like, I don't want to just like show up to the church. Like, I am the church. And like, I want to be a part of this. And I want to know what we're doing. And I want to know why we're doing it. And so please prioritize this week doing that survey. Because when a church understands its mission, when it gets clarity on its values, and then it moves to the level of this is what we're going to prioritize, things honestly, things get electric really quick. And it's super exciting. And that is definitely what I want to be a part of. And I'm sure many of us do too. Let's pray. God, I don't want to waste my life as a pastor. I don't want our church to waste the resources and opportunities in front of it. I'm thankful that I know there have been many voices like this in the past that have continued to challenge this church to be more faithful, more fruitful, more productive for your kingdom, more focused on the things that matter most. And I really feel like we're in a season where that will be good to revisit. And so I pray that as we do that, God, you would just light a fire in our hearts to see the opportunities before us. Maybe there's not going to be a lot that gets changed cosmetically in terms of statements or values or priorities. That, that's so far secondary to me. I don't really care about that. I just want us to go into that posture of prayerfully saying, like, yeah, like, what can and should we be doing to fulfill this larger mission of going deeper in Christ and further in mission together? I want this church to be healthy and missional and strong and not simply just going through the motions. And I'm thankful, I'm thankful God, there have been so many people um, in ways big and small that have never allowed the church to uh, kind of settle into that place. And so just continue to do work in us by your spirit so that we continue to be fruitful and bring glory to you and bring genuine good to um, our neighbors in Nelson and beyond. In Jesus' name I pray and ask this. Amen.